So this morning you see this handsome um, young man sitting down here in the front. He's going to be our guest speaker. Is Dan Herod. He's the director of Youth Alive, which is a youth ministry in our district. He's going to come and tell us about it this morning. So Dan, if you want to come. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor John. You are welcome. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for uh, this opportunity. I'm excited uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, Youth Alive is a ministry that I have been able to lead for just over nine years now, and we've seen God do some pretty amazing things. And so over the next few minutes, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. But before I dive into that, I want to invite uh, you to meet my family. And so I brought some pictures of them. At least I hope I did. Are they there? Yeah, you can. yeah. there's my amazing family. I've uh, been married to Marlena now for 17 years. We just celebrated 17 years. And we're reaching that really cool point in our marriage and relationship that we're, we've known each other as long as we've not known each other between the friendship and the dating and the engagement and then the marriage. It's a really cool season uh, to be in. And I really can't thank God enough for her. She, For me, she's one of the most inspirational women I've ever met. And uh, to this day is uh, just somebody that inspires me uh, to want to trust the Lord more. Somebody that wants, uh, inspires me to be somebody that perseveres through hardship. Uh, she really is amazing. And now this little ball of sass sitting in front of Marlena. Her name is Camden. She is uh, awesome. Let me tell you about her really quickly. She has a personality the size of Texas, and here's why I say that. When she was just two years old, she started flexing her personality, and uh, it's not small. She was doing something that a two-year-old should not be doing, and I had to use the dad voice. Moms have this voice, too. In fact, any adult that works with children has this voice. So you're, you're not yelling yet, but you're on your way. You know what I'm talking about? You're in that space between you're annoyed and you're in between that and apoplexy, like you're literally about to lose your mind, and but you're in that space between, and so you have to fire a warning shot. You have to let them know, hey now, you're about to trip the trigger, you're about to go past the line, just calm down. And so I had to use the dad voice when talking to my daughter, and all I said was her name. I just said her name, that's all I said, and she stopped. She pulled out her pointer finger. She looked me right in the eyes and said, you don't talk to me that way. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness, who is this girl? Now, on the inside, I am dying. This is funny. This is hilarious, folks. But on the outside, I'm dad. And if she sees me break now, she's going to own me for the rest of my life. And so I, I kept it together. I walked over to her and I was like, hey, Cammy, listen. Mommy and daddy, we are the boss, okay? And we will talk to you that way. And she looks at me with those big, beautiful blue eyes and says, okay. I'm like, wait, okay, that's it? So I'm just going to venture a guess that when she is 16, the conversation will feel different. So you grab the hand of the person next to you. We're going to pray for, for me. Why aren't you doing it? Like she, she's something else, uh, a true joy. Now this young man sitting in front of me, his name is Logan. He's 11 years of age, just turned 12 two weeks ago, and he's awesome. And today is a day where the tension in my household is apex. Here's why. I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so therefore, every Sunday during the football season, I cheer for a team that you may not cheer for. And I'm afraid to mention their name because in the past, the microphone stops working 
in churches, when I say the, the, the team that I cheer for, but I'm going to take a risk, I'm going to say I cheer for the Minnesota Vikings. And my wife, on the other hand, though, she cheers for the Green Bay Packers. Like, die hard. She's in it to win it. And so today is a day where there will be no, you know, peace in our home. Um, <laughs> And depending on how the game ends, there may not be peace in our home for, for a couple of days, but it's all in good fun. So both Marlene and I work overtime to get our children to cheer for the right team, which, which is my team, I might add. And I have to tell you that Logan's made his decision, and I'm going to ask you to respect his decision, but let me tell you how I came to understand his choice. He, uh, one night, several years ago, I was wearing my Vikings jersey, and he looks at me. Like, I'm thinking, this is the moment. Like, I'm just, I, I'm feeling it. Like, this is it. He's going to say, Daddy, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm like, I know it. I just know it. And he looks me right in the eyes. And he says, ew, Daddy, take that jersey off. And I thought, Logan, oh my goodness. So I look at him and I said, hey, buddy, you break my heart when you talk like that. I'm trying to salvage, you know, anything I can out of this moment. And he looks at me. It's like Marlena coached him for this moment. They must have role played. I don't know. And he's like, you break my heart when you wear a Vikings jersey. I'm like, okay, go to bed. You're grounded for life. And I, I, uh, I love him. I'm so, thank, so thankful for him. And he is a just, he's an amazing young man. But this family that you see on this screen is committed to this one idea that you'll see up on the screen right now. Every student matters. Every student matters. Right now, in this city, within minutes, walking distance of this space, right now, there are young lives growing up in a world where they do not understand how much the creator of all things loves them, knows them, cares for them, wants to help them. Can you imagine going through middle school and high school and not having that understanding that God loves you? so passionately that he sacrificed for you so that you could live abundantly? Can you imagine that? And I know some of us in this space, that actually is our story, and you came to faith in Christ later in life. But right now, in Whitehall and the surrounding zip codes, there are young lives growing up without the understanding that God is real, his love for them is real, and he wants to be real in their lives, not just this idea on a wall or this character in a book. God wants to be present in their life and help them live through every situation to give them greater joy and peace. And I don't know about you, but that creates friction in my soul. The fact that there are so many students right now, so close to us, literally, who don't know how much God loves them. And that's why Youth Alive exists. Youth Alive exists to help students reach students, to help equip churches and empower them to connect with the schools. Why? Because the overwhelming majority of students in the United States will go through our school system. The overwhelming majority of young lives are going to pass through the doors of an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school. And I believe, I believe each and every one deserves to know that they matter. Now, one of the ways that we do that is through school assemblies. And you can go to the next slide, please. During the day, we get to go into public schools all over Wisconsin and northern Michigan. And you're probably wondering, how do you do that? Do you get to talk about Jesus? Well, no, we don't. But here's what we get to do. You can go to the next slide. This team of speakers that we have 
are some of the most dynamic, creative, and passionate people. And during the day, we get to speak to students a motivational message of value and of hope. Just two weeks ago, we crossed over an amazing milestone. We reached our 200,000th student with our school assembly program. 200,000 souls have heard the truth that they matter. And this team of speakers is used mightily to inspire hope. And some of you may be wondering, is it really ministry if you're not talking about Jesus? Well, let me tell you what happened on Friday, March 2nd, 2018. This gentleman on your right, his name is Terrence Talley. He was at Appleton East High School. 1,600 freshmen through seniors in their field house, hundreds on the floor, hundreds up the sides, all the way to the top of the field house. It is packed. And Terrence brings his message. He reminds students that they matter. He tells them, not give up. You would be surprised by how many students today, right now, are on the edge of giving up. You would be overwhelmed if you knew the level of anxiety that this generation of students wrestles with. And we have to do better as a church and as loving adults than just merely saying, well, suck it up, buttercup. Because this generation just needs to know that there's a group of adults that is willing to fight for them. And so as Terrence is talking to these students, he's telling them, your life matters. If you're tempted to quit, just keep going. And he's telling them this with passion and he's making them laugh because he knows if you can make a student laugh, you can help them listen. And if they're listening, they can hear what you're trying to actually say. So at the end of Terrence's talk, he tells them, you matter. You matter. How do we know that to be true? Well, it's, it's, in, it's in here. Scripture boldly says that we are fearfully and wonderfully created. But so many students don't even understand that. And he looks these students right in the eyes and he says, I know some of you have not gotten a hug in a while. The type of hug that says, I love you no matter what. He says, if you need a hug, today's your day. Now, instead of him standing in a line with 1,600 kids <laughs> and hugging 1,600 kids, he invited the teachers down. Over 100 teachers. And he tells them, don't give up. Don't give up, teachers. Don't give up. You're, you're making a difference. Don't give up. They're starting to cry because they haven't been told thank you in a while. And then he says, students, if you need to hug, these teachers love you and they're ready to give you a hug. Out of 1,600 students, over 800 students left their seats, many with tears in their eyes, to get that hug that says, somebody cares about me. Now in that moment though, a young man walked up to Terrence and he stuck out his hand and in his hand was a note and Terrence took that note and he put it in his pocket. This happens all the time. Students write notes to our speakers everywhere we go because their speakers make a difference in their lives. We opened up the note later that day and we discovered it was his suicide note to be discovered by his mom after he made his final decision. We flew into urgency 
because we didn't know if this young man went home and he acted. We, we didn't know if it was too late. Was this a last cry for help? So we rushed the note to the principal and that was the last we heard. And it wasn't until seven o'clock that night that my phone rang. It was the principal. And I, I said, come on, man, tell me what happened. He says, Dan, I have good news for you. We found him. He was still in school. We called his mom. She came in. We talked. And we asked him, why? why wait, tell us about the note. He says, I wrote it months ago. And I carried it with me everywhere I went. Can you imagine? Well, I, I know some of us can, actually. And uh, they're like, why did you, uh, why'd you give it to Terrence? And he said, after Terrence told me to not give up, I decided I didn't need the note anymore. And that day, this young man went from the edge of death to now to a life of hope. He went from being uh, an anonymous suffering soul in a school system where there are so many adults ready to help him, faceless, nameless, Identity is just guesswork for the staff. Now he transitioned from being that to being somebody that the staff at that school is ready to support and to care for. His mom became fully aware of where he was at. And all because a person named Terrence Talley, who was working with Youth Alive, came to his school and proclaimed a message of hope. And how do we get there? Well, two young ladies talked to their principal about this. These two young ladies loved Jesus and they wanted to make a difference in their school. Now we've been able to present the gospel to a lot of people at night too. Thousands and thousands of people have heard the gospel at night after we've served a community during the day. So is Youth Alive making a difference? I would say we are. But we're not done yet. In fact, we're just beginning because there are a half million 6th through 12th grade students in Wisconsin and Northern Michigan. There are students right here in this city that we have got to reach yesterday. It is a fact that Jesus is coming back. His return is imminent, as Scripture proclaims. And so it would be great if we would point all of our energies into making sure that everybody in this city knows how much God loves them. And so we've, we've got a big task, but God is bigger. And I want to invite you to be a part of this. In a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to give. That's great if you do. We, we have a real need for more monthly support. We have a real need for resources. I'd also invite you to pray for us. Please pray for us. Pray for the team of speakers that you see behind me. You can stop at the table on your way out, sign up for our e-newsletter. Also, grab one of these shamelessly adorable family photo. I am not sorry for how cute my kids are, folks. Take one of these, put it on your fridge, um, stick it with a magnet, and then if you are connected to a school in Whitehall or in the surrounding communities and you want to see Youth Alive come to your community school, grab one of these. It'll be on the table back there. I'll make sure that I do everything I can to make that happen. We've got a lot more work to do, but let's go to that next slide, if you would, please. Um, this picture is just, 
a cool snapshot of how many communities we've served. And I want to see Whitehall's dot show up. And that's going to happen if just one person in this community believes in this and is willing to, to push to make it happen. Next slide, please. Uh, I would love to stay in touch with you. You can visit our website. You can email me. You can go to the next slide. Uh, I also want to take a moment and uh, minister from the Word, if you'll let me. Uh, I don't have much time, but I just want to give a short devotional thought. Uh, and it's out of the book of Revelation. And it's in a verse that is oft quoted. Billy Graham used to uh, say this verse all the time uh, when he would give uh, evangelistic appeals. Uh, it's Revelation 3.20, and it says this, uh, Here I am. I stand at, the, stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This verse uh, is great to be used for the totality of humanity, but initially this verse is actually talking to the church, where Jesus is standing at a door, literally on the outside, wanting to be on the inside. And I just find this so fascinating because uh, my father is deaf, which means the primary language in my house growing up was sign language. My dad could speak well, but if I wanted to talk to him, I had to use sign language. And so check this out. When I was 14, I was at a restaurant with my dad. And I remember sitting down with him and it was the most uncomfortable meal I had ever had. Why? Because for, it felt like forever, but it was just under an hour, I sat at a table with my dad staring face to face, inches away from this man that I'd lived with for 14 years. I could not talk to my own dad. I struggled throughout the entire meal to have a cohesive, coherent conversation with my own father that I'd lived with for 14 years. How did that happen? Here's how it happened. My brother, who's four years older than me, just graduated high school. And I depended on him to do all the talking for me. For 14 years, he talked to my dad for me and talked to me for my dad. When we were around other deaf people with similar situations like this, I completely relied on other people to do all the talking for me. And I think that's actually a pretty vivid illustration of where we can end up with Jesus in our own journey. Where we have a, literally, we are in the family. We are his sons. We are his daughters. But because we've allowed other people to talk to him for us and talk to us for him, we have missed that powerfully transformative connection that he came to create and actually reestablish. Because if you, if you get through the, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, if you hear my voice and open up the door, here's what he says, I will come in and I will eat with you. Jesus literally wants to be at the table with you. And that is significant. Because in that time, in that culture, if you sat down with somebody at a table, that meant that they approved of you and you approved of them and you shared life together. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ came to do for us. 
You see, in Genesis, we discover this pretty heart-rending moment where Adam and Eve, they chose their choice. It wrecked everything. It literally fractured our relationship with God. It fractured our relationship with others. It fractured our relationship with creation. And it fractured our relationship even with ourselves. And so in the first Adam, we discover that things were fractured. But in the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ, he is putting all things back together. He is making all things new. And the way that he has chosen to do that is through relationship. It started with relationship. God literally walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was close to them, but that was fractured. And now Jesus is making all things new. He's restoring us back to him. But that means we have to open up the door to our hearts. That means we have to hear his voice. And Jesus is saying these words to a church that was so awash in prosperity, they didn't have time for him. Picture this. Uh, have you ever bought a house or leased a, an apartment or a condo? Or let's just say you rent an apartment. Picture this with me. You sign the agreement to your apartment, your house, your condo, your RV, your, your, your trailer, whatever it is. You sign it you, on the dotted line. You're saying, I'm moving in. And then you, you show up and all your furniture's inside. But then you go and the door's locked. And you hear activity inside. There's, there, your favorite show is on the TV. You hear things going on inside. You have family members that are inside of there. And you're like, this is kind of strange, especially if you're the one fronting the money for the whole operation. And you're knocking. And you're knocking. And someone comes to the door. And they're like, what day is it? And you're like, it's Monday. Like, sorry. Like, what do you mean, sorry? I live here. I actually made this possible. And they're like, nope. And you're, and you're like, can I come back tomorrow? Well, no, that's Tuesday. And you're like, what? And you're like, no, what about Wednesday? Ah, Wednesday's, that's Wednesday. And you're like, what? And they, and they say this to you. Isn't, isn't this absurd? You're only allowed to live in this house on Sundays. And some of you already know where I'm going with this. Because that's how we treat Jesus. Jesus, I'm only going to really do life with you one day a week. Even though you're the only reason why I have a life in the first place. Even though I am free from addiction because of you. Even though I am free, getting freed from depression because of you. Even though my relationships are healthier than they've ever been because of you. But I just would prefer if you'd stay over there because, well, kind of like my life the way it is. And here's the hope. Is that if we would just open the door and we just let him in. And if we would just sit down at the table with him, which is just basically prayer. That's all it is. Reading the word and talking to God. That's the table that Jesus has set out. It doesn't have to be a literal table. It can be in your car, on a walk, in this building, outside of a building. It can be everywhere. The table that Jesus has set for us is built on the word and is found in prayer and is deepened through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I just have a simple question for you. 
First, have you started following Jesus yet? And if you haven't, today's a great day to start. If you want to, man, talk to me, talk to Pastor John. Let's start your relationship with Jesus right now, today. Second, if you would call yourself a Christ follower, is your door of your heart wide open to Jesus? I mean, wide open. Does he have access to your friendships? Does he have access to your family? Does he have access to your finances? Does he have access to that part of your, your house? Because um, one of the reasons why we shut the door on him is because we're afraid he's going to mess things up. Well, he's definitely going to change things. Because that's what Jesus does. He makes all things new. But anything he changes, it's going to be better in the light of eternity. Which doesn't mean easier. My goodness, no. My family and I have unfortunately walked through the reality of following Jesus doesn't exempt us from hard times. It's actually an invitation to suffering for a greater purpose. It'll be eight years this November 30th that my wife laid our middle daughter down for a nap and she never woke up. And so the temptation for me after that loss was to slam the door on Jesus' face and say, you stay over there. If you're going to allow this trash to happen in my world, I don't want that. I don't want you. But that's because I didn't understand what following Jesus really meant. Doesn't mean life will be easy. It just means life will be abundant. There's a big difference. So I just want to challenge you today. Thanks for letting me share my ministry. I want to reach so many more students with the gospel of Jesus Christ all over Wisconsin and Northern Michigan through Youth Alive. And I also want you to live abundantly. Oh man, do I want you to live abundantly. I am living my best life ever right now. I'm 38, folks. I've been following Jesus, like, for real, for reals, since like eighth grade. And my pastor tells me I prayed a prayer when I was two. I don't remember that far back, okay? But I'm living my best life right now. And it is fraught with challenges. It is hard some days. But it's, it's the best life. I've never lived a better life than I am right now. And that's because I'm learning to keep the door of my heart wide open to Jesus, to let him in to the heart of my house, so to speak, to see every single room, you know, the clean ones and the dirty ones, all of them, my friendships, my family, my finances, all of it, my hopes, my dreams, my goals, my plans, my pain, my past, all of it. I just, I'm learning to let him in. And letting him look around because he's the light of the world. And when he walks into our hearts, illumination takes place. And you can begin to see things clearly to start putting things in order. I believe this. If you will trust him with your heart, you will start to see greater health advance through you. Not easiness, but health. And there's a difference. So let me pray for you. I'll turn it back over to Pastor John. And we'll wrap this thing up. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. It is so awesome. It really is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's alive and active. Thank you for your word, God. We honor it today. We hear your voice, Jesus. We know you're knocking on the door of our hearts. And we know that you just want to do life with us. Because ultimately, you want to show us a better way. 
So help us, Jesus, today, right now, to open up the door of our hearts completely to you and to allow you to go into our world room by room to bring life and healing and hope and freedom into every part of our lives. We love you so much, God. Oh, God, and I also pray for the students of Whitehall. God, I pray for a spirit of life to advance over this city. God, God, the spirit of death, unfortunately, is reaching its bony fingers for the souls of this generation of students, God. But we know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And so on that authority right now, this morning, we band our faith together and we declare life over this zip code for every student, Jesus. Thank you for your power, God, for it is truly good. We love you, God. Amen.